Blog Talk Radio. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. is January Jones. She is not a young, beautiful, talented actress on Mad Men. She is not an older, gorgeous, exotic dancer from the Johnny Carson Show. She is an author, and she wrote, Thou Shall Not Wine, the 11th Commandment, that reached number one at Amazon.com. She is a reality TV golf personality with World High Stakes Golf televised on HDNet. She is a humorist and winologist expert. She is your featured host today on January Jones Sharing Success Stories. So sit back, relax, and get ready to laugh and listen to Ms. Jones with her eclectic roster of guests as you learn life's lessons. These stories plus sharing equals success. Welcome and remember, beware. Because you are entering the no-whining world of January Jones. Hello, everyone. I hope you're having a wonderful day. And I'd like to welcome you to our podcast today. As you know, my new brand is the Glitter Granny. And I'm trying to wear a different hat color every week. We all wear different hats in our lives for all the different roles we play. Also, I love wearing the hats because now I don't have to fuss with my hair. (laughs) As you know from the podcast, my mantra is to ask good questions, and hopefully we will get some very good answers. Now for my listeners, let me ask you a question. (laughs) Have you ever thought about what is going on with the royal family? Well, these days, I think we all are thinking about it because guess what? That's all we are hearing about. It's a sad family saga. And uh, from my experience, most people have an opinion on this one way or the other. Do you have an opinion? Tell me, who do you think is the villain? And who do you think is the hero? Are you ready to hear from one person? She is a psychiatrist with her take on this entire mess. Tell me, do you think there is any tea left to spill? (laughs) Well, I'm sure there is. (laughs) Would you like an expert's opinion on whether this sibling disaster can be mended and how, how they can do that? Also, on a side note, Have you ever heard of a wonderful book called Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them, and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets? We're going to hear about that later today. If you can answer yes or maybe to any of the questions I've asked today, then you are in the right place. And I'd like to welcome you to January Jones Sharing Success Summit. So now it's time. Go get some wine, get some cheese, get some crackers, and join us in the No Wine Zone. Let me tell you a little bit about my guest today. I am so excited to have her on the show. She has, this is her first visit with us, and she will be uh, sharing her opinions about this royal feud. She's a Beverly Hills psychiatrist, and she can discuss what's gone wrong and who's to blame and why. I'd like to welcome to the show, Carol Lieberman. Hello, Carol. How are you doing? there. Thank you. Oh, it's wonderful to have you with us. I've been looking forward to this show. Uh, I'm sure with you being an expert on the royal family, you've been a busy gal these days, haven't you? Yes, yes. Um, There is certainly a lot to analyze uh, amongst the royal family, especially, of course, lately with Mm -hmm. uh, Harry and Meghan's interview with Oprah, and then their Netflix series, and then Harry's book, Spare. Um, I haven't quite finished his book, but I've watched all the other things, and there is, uh, it's a lot. Um, yes. 
let me tell you why all of this interests me. I mean, it interests all of us because it's, uh, it's one of the things, it's like a fairy tale gone wrong. You know, we used to read when we were kids. Our parents used to read us fairy tales about princes and princes, princesses and princes and queens and kings and all that. And that's part of why we are uh, so fascinated. In addition to, of course, all of the, the things that they're up to that uh, keep us intrigued. But my history, um, I have a lot of connections to England and to the royal family. Um, first of all, I've met uh, Prince, uh, when he was a prince, I met Prince Charles um, in, when he was in L.A. Lovely. And, um, but b before that, or uh, yeah, I guess it was before that, I, um, went to, I lived in London when mm -hmm. I was studying at Anna Freud's uh, clinic. And she has a clinic she had at the time, well, she, it's still there. She isn't, but the clinic is still there. Uh, Hampstead Clinic for Psychoanalysis. Of course, she was Sigmund Freud's daughter, and I really had the amazing opportunity to study under her. This was right before she died. Um, and I also did research at the Maudsley Hospital, uh, psychiatric hospital in London. And in addition to that, um, my one of my books called Coping with Terrorism, Dreams Interrupted was published by a London publisher for the one year anniversary of their 9-11, which, um, which was 7-7 um, uh, in 2005. So on the one year anniversary, my book came out and I went there and, you know, went to the funeral services and so on and, and um, published mm -hmm. And what else? And then, um, oh, uh, well, I mean, there are so many different connections. One, one, an interesting one, though, you mentioned the book, Bad Girls, Why Men Help Them and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. That book um, came out in, uh, right before Kate and William got engaged. Oh, okay. So um, <laughs> that fits perfectly because it was the quintessential good girl who mm -hmm. bad girl secrets to catch her prince. And in particular, I, I talk about a number of them, but in particular, the, the strongest one was when she wore uh, the sexy dress. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Remember, they, were, they went to college together. She and modeled. Fashion show, and she modeled, yes, the sexy dress. Wow. And she walked down the, uh, the fashion show aisle, and um, William turned to his friends, and he said, wow, she's hot. Mm. Now, then she had been in the friend zone, mm -hmm. but seeing her in this uh, dress and you know all um, glamorous and so on, that made him all of a sudden see her differently. And one of the you know bad girl secrets, of course, is to dress in a way that um, not yes. necessarily yes. where everything hangs out. <laughs> <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> uh, you know, but to, to be glamorous and to be um, to wear some pieces that are different conversation pieces and so on and mm -hmm. that would get a man's attention so wow. um, it they got engaged at the beginning of 2011 um, they got engaged at the end of 2010 but then at the beginning of 2011 mm -hmm. uh, I heard that they this dress was going to be auctioned off oh. in London okay <laughs> I thought you know I had been um, I had been talking about her and so on in some interviews, and I thought, wow, I have to have this dress. Sure. <laughs> you know, both for media, but also for speaking engagements, you know, to try to convince women how, well, how, what, what are the bad girl secrets you need to use to catch your prince? Mm -hmm. So I went to London. Oh. And the, um, the word on the street was <laughs> <laughs> that the, the dress was going to go for $16,000. Wow. That, that's not um, chicken feed, but at the same time, I thought it would be worth it. So I went to London, and the first day was uh, where you get to look at all the items up for auction. Mm -hmm. And they not only had her dress, but they had uh, Wallace Simpson items, her oh. lingerie, right. penwas, and so on. And um, really beautiful. And it, 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 I, once I got there, I realized I heard, you know, from all the chatter, that um, Kate's dress was going to go for a lot more than $16,000. In fact, that's what the bidding started at. Oh, okay. okay. So I realized that, you know, I was not going to be able to uh, pay yeah. some ridiculous amount. 
And so I bid on Wallace Simpson's uh, Penwas and so on, oh. um, because she is the quintessential bad girl who yeah. used bad girl secrets to catch her man who abdicated the throne. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, long story short, um, I got to be friends with the woman who made the dress that Kate wore. What they did for the fashion show was they had students who were in a fashion show in a fashion institute in London um, send clothes that they made to the college. Mm-hmm. And um, the people who were modeling, the girls who were modeling, got to pick what they wanted to wear. And this was actually supposed to be a skirt that Kate wore as a dress. Okay. <laughs> flip underneath because you could see through, you know, the, the, um, there was a top and there was a bottom band. And mm-hmm. then in the middle, um, there was this sort of blackish, um, netting <laughs> underwear underneath. So, um, and she's beautiful anyway. So, uh, so it really showed her off. Mm-hmm. And so I had got to be, gotten to be friends with the um, woman who made the dress. For Kate, and um, and at the end, by the end of it, so it was a two-day thing. And by the end of it, um, it, it ended up. Oh well, the funny story, the part of the story is, so they started the bidding at sixteen thousand dollars, and the person, the woman who had, uh, who was running the auction, um, she, you know, she started in the front row, and first person bid sixteen thousand, then it went on and on and on, and by the time, and then I had been talking to her, calling all the time, emailing her. Uh, before I went there, and um, but after it got to sixty-five thousand, oh. at me in the back. Um, so Carol, you know, because she knew I came to London to be. Oh, and I had been talking tons to tons of media the first day. You know, yeah. she wanted to know what's the girl from California coming here for this auction. And so, <laughs> oh, you know, I got to tell my story in the book and the bad girl secrets and all this. And so there, were, there was the world's media was in the back of this room. So now the woman, the owner of the auction, points to me at sixty-five thousand and said, "You know, to let me bid." To uh, okay. and I had to bid. I, mean, I told all these people that I came here to bid, and needless to say, that would have been very difficult <laughs> to uh, come up with that amount of money for a dress. Um, mm-hmm. But anyhow, so yes, so I raised my little uh, uh, what pressure, and I, you know, said yes. And thanks <laughs> to this, people bid after me, and in oh. fact, it went for about one hundred and twenty-five thousand. Oh wow! Oh wow! Oh. My breath, and sure enough, other people did. So that's that story. Um, and, and actually. You know, so then as it turned out, um, there's an exhibit. There was an exhibit in L.A. on the Queen Mary, um, oh. of, of mainly of Princess Diana, clothes and so on. Oh, and yeah. Okay. Kinds of things. And so um, this woman who was running it, it the, the uh, payment for the to en- the entrance fee goes mm-hmm. to help a charity uh, for breast cancer. Oh, okay. So the woman who was running it knew that I was going to London to get this dress. Mm-hmm. And, oh, I, I left out something. So obviously I got to be friends with the woman who made the dress and I convinced her to make um, a, a limited edition of copies of the oh, dress. Wow, brilliant. brilliant. And so I bought, bought the first hundred. I think there were 500 altogether, but I am the uh, American ambassador. <laughs> because this is the only place you can get it in America is from me. <laughs> Oh my God! What that is just a fabulous story to start our podcast out. But right now we're going to take a break and hear about a book I wrote a few years back. Lately, there's a whining epidemic in our world. People are even whining about whining. Are you sick and tired of listening to everyone whining all the time? So was January Jones, the author of Thou Shall Not Whine the 11th commandment that reached number one at Amazon.com. Ms. Jones based her book on a survey of the top 10 things that people whine about at all ages and all stages of life. January is a success coach that can tell you how to help others. When you buy Thou Shalt Not Whine, the 11th commandment, you'll find out what people whine about and how to stop them from whining. This is the perfect gift book to give or get for any occasion. 
Thou Shall Not Wine was voted the best gift to be given anonymously for those special people in your life. Ms. Jones is an internationally known author in the style of Irma Bombeck, specializing in housewife humor with her book being published in Korea and China. You can find Thou Shall Not Wine at Amazon.com. Welcome back with my wonderful, entertaining guest, Carol Lieberman. Uh, Carol, before we go on with the podcast, could you share with our listeners uh, your uh, information, how they can go to your website, maybe how they can buy one of these dresses? We'd love to hear you at that. <laughs> well, um, they could go to badgirlsbook.com, okay. and there is the dress as well as the book. Okay. Uh, also, my web, one of my websites is drcarol.com, which is d-r-c-a-r-o-l-e.com. But I want to uh, mention something about your book. You should send that book to the biggest whiner in the world right now, which mm-hmm. is Prince Harry. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> in fact, he's been called um, the whining prince, you know. So yes, he needs your book. <laughs> that's on my that's on my to do list for sure. Um, talking about Prince Harry, I I just finished reading the book because I knew we were doing this interview and it was uh, what a a tell all, what a cleansing. I mean, what this man has shared with the world is unbelievable. Don't you agree? Oh yes. Um, you know, I haven't finished the book. I actually was using it the other day. Um, I do a podcast called The Terrorist Therapist Show. And um, I, I picked out the parts that had to do with um, him putting himself and the family and the America and the Great Britain in grave danger. Did you, you know what I'm talking about? Um, he wrote about uh, what his two tours uh, representing England in um, in the war in Afghanistan, yeah. and um, you know, and I, I commend him for that. I mean, that was like uh, the best thing that he has done in his life, you know, compared to where he is now. Um, yeah. He started out, you know, really with a good heart and um, doing. I mean, that, he put himself in 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 danger, in serious danger. In fact, the um, Afghans were aiming for him. The first tour, they pulled him back after his first tour because um, because they it was not only he who was in danger, but it was also the people in his group, in his uh, troop, whatever they call it. Um, and because, you know, whoever, the Afghans, the Taliban wanted to get Prince Harry. And so whoever was around him was in grave danger. Okay. Right. So, but then he went back. And, um, but they gave him a different kind of position and Anyhow, so he really did good things. However, in his book, he boasts about this. He boasts in particular about his killing of 25, um, of 25 Taliban. He was an, he was an, an, a, an Apache pilot and um, his second tour. And as such, he killed these Taliban. So he bragged about it. And before the book came out, which was on January 10th, but before then, as you probably know, lots of it was leaked. And yeah. the the um, the Taliban got to read the leaks, you know, online and so on. And they um, already started telling the, their members from the other Taliban people um, and other terrorists about how we have to get Prince Harry for this. And not only Prince Harry and his family in California, but of course the royal family and England, Great Britain, America. You know, he is, has put all of us in danger because the way that he talked about, he talked about, um, he was boasting, and also he talked about that he was able to kill them because he imagined them as chess pieces. Mm-hmm. And um, needless mm-hmm. to say, the Taliban wasn't very happy about that. Uh, so he, you know, it's fine and good. If, oh, well, not really fine and good, but, um, you know, he tells all these other things. I was going to say it's fine and good to to whine about all these, his mother and his, well, he didn't whine about his mother, about his father and his um, brother and all that. I mean, that was really why he wrote the book. He's so jealous of his brother. That's why he calls it spare, because the spare part, you know, he wasn't going to be king. His brother was. Um, 
And so, you know, he always felt like the lesser one. He was just uh, given birth because to have spare parts for William. So, um, so anyhow, of course, he's very resentful of that and very jealous and that he's not going to be king and all of that. So, um, and, and his father, he hates his father because, you know, as all of the little boys do, he was 12 when his mother died, but uh, his father was having an affair with Camilla from before he married Diana to throughout through the, uh, the marriage with Diana. So, of course, you know, he presents his father for that. So those were the two main reasons. But um, also the stress that he and Megan, when he, Megan, he tells a story about how, um, about how uh, his, when his mother died, when he was 12, mm-hmm. he was painful, of course, um, and he thought to himself that she wasn't really dead. And until he was 23, he believed that she was still alive and that she was going to call for him someday. Mm-hmm. And Megan took advantage of this. And she played him like a violin. Uh, she, she, in a sense, she pretended to be, or he saw he. She she put herself in a way in his life that he saw her as Diana coming back to get me, and um. she manipulated him, and she has used him, and um, for her own, of course, to be a princess, but yeah. also um, for her own um, aims, her own political aims in America. She dreams of being president and so on. And so she wanted to use the race card. She wanted um, she and William to talk about how England was so terrible to her because she's biracial. I mean, they weren't. It wasn't because she was biracial. Racial. It was because she was a malignant narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> so that was part of the book and part of well, their Oprah interview. It started the Netflix documentary and the book. And of course, the interesting thing is that on the interview with Anderson Cooper, um, yeah. Harry said, did you watch that? Yes, Harry, I did. Harry said, I never said that um, the royal family was racist, which is not true. You know, he forgot that he did say that, and, and Megan said that. And um, But after that, um, Megan, you know, that certainly would have gotten Megan really angry because she, that is the point, according to her, um, yeah. and, 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 and that is, those are the people who she wants to get behind her in whatever political office she runs for. So she was outraged. And since then, there has been hide nor ha- neither hide nor hair of her in the media. Usually she's out putting her face everywhere. Yeah. And there hasn't been. Yeah. She has, uh, she's been under the radar, so to speak. And, you know, I, I'm watching this whole thing unfold. It's just been fascinating. And I was thinking about it the other day. If I had, if I were their PR person, I would have said after the Oprah interview would have been a very, very good time to put this memoir on pause. And it should have been put to the back and they should have let Charles go forth with his court. I mean, this country is still healing from losing a queen. So they're all in shell shock over there about they probably thought she'd never die. And it seemed like she wouldn't. But they should have put this book in the background and let things just settle down. Don't you agree? Yes, and you know, there was um, some report that William tried, I mean, that Harry tried to do that, and that the publisher wouldn't let him. I don't know how much I believe that, yeah. but, um, but yes, and you know, um, I was telling you before we started about how, I mean, I've been taught, actually, I was devastated when the Queen died, uh, and when Prince Philip died, for that matter, mm-hmm. and um, so when she died, I was doing a lot of talking about, uh, in the media, about how um, Megan and Harry uh, contributed to her death. And actually, if you look at it, uh, Prince Philip died one month after their Oprah interview. And, um, and now the Queen died right before the Netflix and before the book. She didn't want to, to, to around when those came out. And, um, you know, I would say, when I said she had to exit left. Yes, right. And um, um, and I'm not saying, you know, that they shot her or anything like that, but it is, 
I mean, I'm a doctor, a medical doctor. Um, it is known, it has long been known that stress uh, kills people and that people can die of a broken heart. And certainly both of them were stressed and had broken hearts. So I was talking about this on a, uh, on a show in England, mm-hmm. uh, the GB Network. Yeah, posted it on my Twitter and so on. I was talking about, you know, all about Meghan and Harry, <laughs> particularly about how they killed the queen. <laughs> and there was this <gasps> gasp. <laughs> I explained about the stress and the broken heart and all that. Um, and I put it on, um, I put it on Twitter. And um, I started, you know, either people love them or hate them. But yeah. love or hate Megan in particular. And so um, people, lots of people watch this in the, you know, in life and, and on my Twitter feed. And um, I started getting from the people who love Megan, I started getting all these nasty um, responses to my tweet. And um, I had, and I realized, you know, I really have to mock these people because as soon as they would get on, there would be other people who would like it or who would, um, yeah, who would like it and who would, um, what do you call it? Who would retweet it? Yeah. And so I was staying up in the middle of the night like whack-a-mole trying to get rid of these things. <laughs> so people could retweet them. But I have to stop speaking my mind because because I really think uh, that she is a malignant narcissist and I feel really bad for Harry. Um, or I did, you know, I'm feeling a little less bad since I, uh, since, you know, yes, she did manipulate him. She was a bad girl. Definitely she was a bad girl. <laughs> um, but, you know, she became the speaker, the mouthpiece for all these things, this, these resentments that Harry has been holding in. You know, the anger towards his father for having this affair and, and then for marrying. They didn't want uh, Charles to marry um, Camilla. And, and, of course, that broke his mother's heart, you know, his father did, and, and I, I think that that was wrong. I feel sorry for Diana. I, Diana was wonderful. Um, and, uh, and, and also the, his brother, the resentment he had towards his brother. Had his brother. So, so marrying Megan, that allowed him to speak, you know, through her and, and her... Uh, be, having her as his wife like gave him the courage to yeah. write these things. And, you know, I don't know if you saw this, but just recently she came out with, um, where she was quoted in something saying that she tried gently to dissuade Harry from some of the things he wrote. Oh, my. <laughs> no way. You just wanted all this money. If Harry hadn't written, you know, some really outrageous things, it wouldn't have made as much money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, Carol, we're going to take a break right now talking about outrageous things, and we're going to hear about my book that I've written about the Kennedys, and all three of my books are now coming out in Audible. Hard to believe it's been 60 years of this horrific assassination, and people are still asking who killed Kennedy. Let me ask you a question. Are you still wondering who killed Kennedy? Over 50 years later, the assassination is still a mystery. It is unfinished business for our country. Now, get ready for a theory that you've never heard before, but will make more sense than any other conspiracy theory that you've ever heard in the past. January Jones speaks the unspeakable in her book, Jackie, Ari, and Jack, The Tragic Love Triangle. Connecting Jackie and Aristotle Onassis romantically prior to JFK's assassination. Did you know that Ari was Jackie's guest in the White House during the JFK funeral? He was the only non-family member who was invited by Jackie to stay there during the funeral. Aristotle Onassis was one of the wealthiest men in the world, with the means, the motive, and the money to order an assassination that was the perfect crime of the last century. Ari needed class. And Jackie needed cash. They were perfect for each other. Now, what is Camelot? It is but another tragic love triangle. Jackie, Ari, and Jack is available at JanuaryJones.com, Amazon.com, and Audiobooks.com, read by Ms. Jones.
Welcome back with my guest. And we're talking about another tragic uh, event, and it's the Royal Feud. And it's just been such amazing coverage. Everyone in the world is talking about it. Uh, You know, my question is why they're they're speculating whether – Harry will be invited to the coronation. And my thought is, why and would you do that? Why would you invite them? It'll be a total distraction. And I mean, this is a time when this country needs to heal. They need to get behind their new king. They need to have a, a peace, unity. Don't you agree? Oh, yes. I think it would be a disaster mm-hmm. to invite them because... Um, Oh, because they just use these opportunities, just like they did when the queen was alive. You know, they were taking all these photos and video and all that behind her back, you know, while they came and and pretended to be uh, uh, respectful. And really, they were just doing it for themselves and also to get more attention on themselves. You know, even the, uh, it was really bad. I didn't like that they were uh, at her funeral, for that matter. It was so hypocritical. I mean, Harry loved his grandmother. Uh, You know, and in fact, in the Netflix documentary, there's a scene where, uh, which is, you know, and and this has been cited uh, by a lot of people. It's the one scene that you remember. The rest of it is a demo tape from Megan. (laughs) You know, did you think that the the next six hours uh, of demo tape, really, here I am in this position, here I am here, and look at me here, or selfies, a selfie demo tape. It was outrageous. Um, You know, for some people who say they want privacy and they want security, it was so, the the docuseries was so transparently uh, planned. Some of the things that were used, these were uh, things that were done on video that were Something had a someone had a bigger picture in mind. Let's put it that way. It was, it was a very uh, trans uh, transparent propaganda, in my opinion. Yes, I mean, how did they? You know, back it was like the first date. Now, who was taking video of them on the first date? I mean, what? Um, it, it, it's ridiculous. They, they, she, not they. She had this planned really from. Yeah. Uh, the time that she asked her friend to introduce her. Um, mm-hmm. But it would not be good to for them to be at the coronation because not only would they, of course, take attention away from uh, the people who deserve the attention, but um, but they, anything that the, you know, that the royal family says to them um, will be in the next book or the next video. I know. You can't trust that that anything that you say to them won't be broadcast in some way. Absolutely. You know, before we go, what's your take on the situation with uh, Camilla? Now, of course, she was the third person and so many people didn't like her because they were so sympathetic to Diana, as was I. And uh, what's your take on the situation? Because he makes some really uh, brutal accusations about her. Yes, the evil stepmother. Yeah. Well, I wasn't too thrilled with her myself um, mm-hmm. because I thought that that was, I mean, Diana was so, it was the question everybody asked, right? How could he prefer Camilla to Diana, you know, particularly to go to bed with Camilla instead of Diana? And the answer to that question is, um, it's an edible uh, fixation in that, in that Camilla reminded him of his mother. Oh, basically having sex with his mother and that's why he was attracted to her um diana was too uh threatening you know in a sense that she was too um she was too fabulous you know um i'm sorry i thought she got too much attention yes that too yes absolutely and when megan went over there she thought that she was going to be Diana. I mean, not only did she pretend to be Diana for uh, to get Harry, but um, but I think she was hoping, you know, here she's this Hollywood B-level actress. <laughs> but anyway, um, she was hoping to get all the attention. And you know what I think, and no one is saying this, but um, but I have been looking at pictures and videos and so on. Mm-hmm. These glances 
that made no sense to um, William. I think that she might have hoped that William would um, prefer her to Kate. And he would get to be not just a princess, (laughs) but a queen. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That never crossed my mind. In some pictures, she is looking at him in this way. You can kind of see her her brain ticking. You know, that goes way back many years ago. I remember a picture of Grace Kelly looking at John Kennedy (laughs) with that kind of a look. Replacing Kate would be just nearly impossible because, in my opinion, yeah. Kate, they went to wherever they clone future queens yeah. and they put their order in and they were presented with Kate because I think she is fabulous. I think her mom has just done a great job helping her through all this. And the children, she would be a very difficult person. And, you know, she manages somehow to stand behind William, even though she's fabulous. Yes, that's true. That's absolutely true. I I don't want to forget to mention something. We were talking about Kate and her dress and all that a little while ago. And I was mentioning that it was, um, oh, I I don't know that I finished the story, but that this dress, as well as Wallace Simpson's uh, underwear, (laughs) and so on, um, were on the Queen Mary in that exhibit. The exhibit is now in Las Vegas. Um, So, yes, people can go see. It's the princess, called the Princess Diana exhibit. And... um, it's a fabulous exhibit. And where is it at in Vegas? It's in um, it's in one of the uh, I should know this. It's in one of the malls. But I mean, if you just Google it, Princess Diana exhibit in Vegas. Fascinating. Um, Fascinating. It's really a beautiful museum quality uh, exhibit. Yeah. Yeah. And and the uh, the little dress that went for sixty five thousand is that in the exhibit? They, you mean the the hundred and twenty five thousand? Hundred twenty five thousand. Oh, sorry. I would have gone for sixty five. No, dress the real dress itself is not there. Um, okay. The limited edition copy. <laughs> By the ambassador, thanks to the American ambassador, as in my book, um, Bad Girls, uh, Why Men Love Them and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. So, um, but it's not about me. It's, you know, there, uh, there are also things, there's part of the exhibit, a small part that's Harry and Meghan, um, but there are, you know, there's the queen, all the royal family really um, are well represented. Okay, we're going to take a break and hear about two other books that I've written. But while we're gone, let's think about when we come back, what kind of advice, Catherine, would you give the royal family for kind of getting this whole thing put together again? We'll be right back. Have you ever met someone who was unforgettable? Someone who has touched your heart and soul? People who have faced difficult problems? People who have struggled to find solutions. People who fearlessly shared their stories. People who have not only informed you, but inspired you. People who have priceless personalities. I have been fortunate to host an internet radio talk show called January Jones Sharing Success Stories. And it has been my privilege to interview hundreds of guests. My guests have shared their stories, their struggles, their secrets, and their successes in their own words. In this book, we're talking about people dealing with problems such as incest, molestation, runaway kids, child abuse, drug abuse, polygamy, unemployment, scandal, and starting over. Then there are my guests dealing with difficult physical struggles such as blindness, cancer, and birth defects that are beyond traumatic. My guests have all been exciting, eclectic, and energizing. They have amazed, amused, and even astonished me. I have adored getting to meet them, and I adore sharing them with you.
Attention all listeners, Priceless Personalities, Success Stories Shared by January Jones, Volume 2 is now available at Amazon.com in paperback and Kindle editions. You'll be able to meet 10 amazing people who will be sharing their own personal stories with all their struggles, successes, and solutions sprinkled with lots of humor and hope. Priceless Personalities features a teenager who becomes one of the famous Supremes from Motown, a nurse who has a humorous helps people to heal, an inspiring laughter yoga instructor, a mother dealing with the loss of a child, an incredible motivational speaker, a woman who married five times, a gifted paranormal nurse, a wise economist, a funny female humorist, along with an older man sharing his sweet childhood in the deep south. January's guests are all amazing and amusing. You will never forget meeting them. Go to Amazon.com for your own priceless experience. Welcome back with another priceless personality guest on our show, Carol Lieberman. Carol, what advice would you give uh, King Charles and Queen Consort Camilla about putting this back together and trying to get back, trying to help the country heal? It's a very, well, what they are doing, I was going to say, is a very difficult uh, mm-hmm. problem um, because, uh, because really what's happening now is that uh, Harry is holding them hostage. You know, he's telling them, if you don't apologize to my wife, apologize for what, um, then uh, I have, four, he, he said he's written 400 pages. He has 400 more pages ready to go into another um, book, scathing book. Uh, if they don't apologize to his wife. So I think they've been doing a wonderful job so far. You know, yeah. they say that they haven't, uh, I, I'm sure they listened to the Oprah interview, but they say they haven't watched Netflix or read his book. I think at least some of them have, uh, because it's, you know, you, you want to know, what, what do you say about me? Yeah. Um, but um but I, I think what they're do, what they've been doing, basically, you know, the worst thing they've been doing, the worst thing you can do to them, which is to ignore them. You know, they are both such attention seekers. Okay. But, um, if if you ignore them, that's how you can cause them the most pain. Mm. So they have been ignoring them, you know, except for minor uh, comments, you know, um, here and there. But basically, they've been mostly ignoring them. Yeah. And, um, they're trying to take the high road. And as we know, their motto's always been don't complain, don't explain. Right. This is a tough, tough one to yeah. not complain about. <laughs> really. What they're doing is, you know, that's good, is that they're spending their time, instead of talking about Megan and Harry, um, is doing going out in the country and doing all kinds of um work to help people, you know, uh, visiting schools and visiting hospitals and, you know, visiting uh, uh, community community meetings and so on, doing things, doing things for their country. And uh, that is doing it all. Yeah. Yeah. That, those are the things that are good. They're good at. And, uh, and also, you know, we were speaking about uh, Megan taking a low profile these days it appears to me also that uh, Camilla is doing that too. We're yes. seeing, uh, her taking a lower profile, and we're seeing more about uh, William and Kate doing things. Yes, although Camilla used to really be, um, you know, when everybody didn't like her or angry because of um, they liked Diana more, um, yes. she really had a low profile. She's been coming out a little more, actually, in terms of these good works. And, you know, I was saying before that I really didn't like her because I sided with Diana and all that. And, um, you know, what she was, the affair wasn't great um, to do. It was hurtful to Diana. But um, but she has been, you know, ever since, especially since they got married, she has been trying to uh, not just have the title, but to actually use the title to, um, to do good work. Now, I noticed the other day that uh, Charles had donated uh, from one of his properties a large sum of money, and instead of taking it for the royal income, he donated it to help people in the country who are struggling, and 
having a hard time. And I think that is a brilliant thing for him to do. And doing more of that will help. Yes, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how could they have avoided this? How could they have gotten around it? What would they have had to do to avoid Mexico? Well, you know. Or was it inevitable? I mean, no, I don't think it was inevitable. I mean, they could have just stayed there. You know, Megan was complaining. First of all, you know, like when she went on tour, she made a comment that the media picked up on, um, you know, before Megxit, mm-hmm. that I should be paid for this. Did you see that? It, it was it was in the press. I should be paid for this. Like she was doing so much work by, you know, going on tour and, and so on to these different countries and, and trying to be helpful and, and all of that. Um, but she because it was hard work. So she should be paid for that. I mean, the queen did a lot harder work, as did Diana. As did, you yeah. know, and yet she thinks she should be paid for it. So, um, yeah. Well, they got quite a paycheck from Netflix. And, I mean, as far as $100 million, that's uh, definitely getting paid for. Um, okay. The right thing, which was to stay in the country and mm-hmm. to do the job of the royals, which is to, you know, uh, be helpful in all these different ways, uh, to visit people in the hospital, veterans, and, you know, um, all of the different things that, that Diana did and that all of the royal family did. Um, you know, she wanted Megxit because I think because she was disappointed that she didn't get to be a star. She didn't get to be bigger than Catherine, first of all. You know, that was number one thing that she thought yeah. she was going to be. See, the media would pay more attention to her than Kate and be yeah. positive about her. And then, of course, you know, her long-term plan, I think she realized she wasn't going to get William. <laughs> he saw through her. And so there was nothing more to be done there, you know, other than to exploit the royal family by going home and doing all these things that they've done. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't see any, I don't see them having any reconciliation in the future. Do you? I, I think if, if Harry and Meghan get divorced, that's one way you know, he will come from <laughs> And say, you know, it'll shock him back into reality. Yeah. Uh, that's one way. And, um, you know, other than that, I mean, he has to, he's so confused now. Um, he really, you know, he, he's so mixed up in which, what really happened and what story is true. You know, Megan has filled his, has twisted his mind around and mm-hmm. also his own resentments and so on. And, and like, that's how he ended up saying that thing on Anderson Cooper that, oh, we didn't say that the royal family is racist, which was, of course they did. That's what they've been saying and everything. So he just got confused because, because his head is all twisted around. He did so much promotion for the book and um, he just, he was just getting all, you know, mixed up with everything. Yeah, because, you know, he's saying on one hand, they're leaking this information to the tabloids and then on the other hand he's saying we didn't say they were racist well guess what leaking to the tabloids is a racist thing to do well i mean yes he was totally hypocritical saying that uh he didn't want things to leak and all they've been doing is courting the media so yes oh yes it's such a sad tragedy. And, you know, you hate to see it. And especially, and, and I agree with you, I'm sure the queen just said, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm sure she just said, oh, this is more than I signed on for. Um, gosh, it's been fun talking to you. And I hope you'll come back because I'd like to talk more about bad girls and bad boys. <laughs> That would be wonderful. You know, before I end every show, Carol, I always ask my guest a question. If you could have dinner alone with anyone, living or dead, well, besides me, who would you choose to have dinner with? I know that this, um, uh, let's see, do I tell you the non-controversial answer or the controversial? Oh, I want the controversial, of course. (laughs) Well, my the non-controversial one is Kate. Um, you know, I really, I wanted, when I die, I want to come back as Kate. Um, 
but the controversial one is Trump because um, when he gets elected president again, yeah. uh, people are going to think that I'm out of, not in touch with reality. Some people are going to think that. Um, <laughs> when he gets elected president again, I want to be able to help him with a lot of things. You know, I've, I'm the terrorist therapist. I can help with that. Obviously, with the psyche of America, I can help with that. So I would like to have dinner with him. Well, that is quite an amazing answer. I have to tell you, I've asked all of my guests throughout this last year that question, and you are certainly the first one to come up with that answer. <laughs> and I'm sure it's going to be as controversial as what you said earlier. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I think that, good job. Well done, dear. <laughs> I'd like to thank you so much for being on the show, and I hope everyone will support Carol and go to her website and buy her books. Next uh, Tuesday live at 2 p.m., I'll be back here wearing another hat. Now my 79-year-old thought for the day, it's better to grow old with a sense of humor than to grow old without any sense at all. So there you go. <laughs> Signing off from the Glitter Granny and Carol Lieberman, thank you for entering the No Wine Zone with us today. Share our stories with everyone you know. And remember, you need to, right now, this is for Harry, stop whining, <laughs> start smiling. And if that doesn't work, then you can start eating chocolate, lots and lots of chocolate. Take care and stay safe until we meet again. Thank you. We want to thank you for listening to January Jones Sharing Success Stories. Always remember Ms. Jones' personal mantra, if you can think it, you can do it. That's what all of our guests have done with their lives, and so can you. You are the ultimate success coach in your own life. All you need to do will be to start sharing your own story with your family and friends. We hope that our guest stories will encourage you to explore an equation in your future that will combine your creativity, plus connecting with others will enable you to be successful too. Always remember, your passion plus your purpose will equal prosperity as you explore the wonderful world of January Jones.